mean, I wrote a story called Eclipsed and it was a perfect story because Tom's trajectory was so unusual and mine yeah. was so normal, but in contrast, they became very comic. So it felt to me like I was, I'd been given by my son, this really funny story to tell. Yeah. And yeah. to me, I mean, I put myself down in the book, but actually it's pretty, it's pretty um, affirming because my life is normal and his mm -hmm. life is not normal. Tokyo tonight. Nice to see you guys. How are we both? I'm good, man. How are you? I apologize about my backdrop. I see that you've both got very, very uh, um, cool backdrops. Uh, I have a wall and a, and a sofa. So that's, that's I, right. I feel like I'm two nil down at the start of this game. You're yeah, still kicking our asses. Good. Neither one of us has kids. So you're, yeah, you're way ahead true. of us. That is I have true. four kids. I have four kids. Wow. wow. Yeah, yeah, you're really I, ahead. And that's where you that's where you, you captured captured the audience there. Six books, you could hear the yawns. <laughs> but but Spider-Man is the oh, okay. Well, I'll watch this guy. And I get that. I'm, I'm fine with that. That's fine. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you're in an undisclosed location with the couch and just the wall and stuff like that. So it gives <laughs> it that element of like, we're not allowed to know where you are. As I was watching your preamble, I was thinking to myself, I've really got to up my game here. I've really got to spend a little bit of money on some sort of stupid backdrop because, you know, <laughs> I get asked to do these more and more and I'm going to start doing them more and more. And uh, it can't be that expensive to just figure out something behind me that looks a little bit more funky than a, than a, just, a, oh, just a wall. Yeah, man. You need to you need to just play up. I would have every book cover on the wall, every accolade, yes, you and yes. your sons. Just John. like, you know. Well, I was looking at your website today, John, and mm -hmm. I have to say my heart sank because you've got everything crossed and dotted. You've got everything ticked. You've got it all going on. You've got all the places you can watch and listen to John all over the place. And I was thinking to myself, OK, so I've got a lot of ground to make up here. <laughs> it was like a man to me. Yeah, I'll do whatever I can. I ground to cover those six books. Like, again, you, you, you know this because you know what comedians are like. You've been doing stand up forever. Yeah, the work ethic to put out six books as a con like, oh, I'm like, how dare he? Wow, <laughs> like, wow. It, it, the work ethic. It, 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 if I have a story that I want to tell and mm -hmm. it's in my head, then mm -hmm. I feel compelled, okay, to get it yeah. out of there because it's my big. It's it's my. This is going to be the one, and that's what I I always do. Every book I write is going to be the one. It's going to be. It's going to be the one that transfers to film and it's going to be my advent. It's going to be me making it. Wow. And uh, so that, that's what I'm going for. Stand up for me is, is my day job, really. It's 90% it's, mm -hmm. it's of my income and my books and my writing are where I can, I can just sort of get on with telling what I think is a really compelling story nice. and, and, and have a shot. It's, it's my shot, really, at Hollywood. I, I, you, you introduced me as an actor. Mm -hmm. My acting's been very, very small. <laughs> the TV I've done is stand up. Mm. Um, but my writing is my is my sort of my my my, my going to LA to try and make it as as as, as you guys do in stand up. You, you know, you go to LA for this for the season. And you yes. try and make it. You know, if you get a book picked up, it gets into made into a movie. That's always been my holy grail. 
Wow. Um, wow. So the energy is, is just how exciting would it be if that, if that were to come off? Now it hasn't, it hasn't done yet. <laughs> but, you know, listen, if you don't write one, you're not, you haven't got anything in the barrel to shoot. Right. So you yeah, just got yeah. to, you know, you've got to get, you've got to get content that you can put out there. And, Which passion and, and, came first with the comedy element and the stand up, or did you have a passion for pure writing written, like written material first? No, no, no. It was always stand up and, mm. and I'm a pro stand up and that's how I've made my living. But yeah. you know, a lot of time to fill in the day, right? Right. And, you know, I mean, you're waiting for the gig in the evening and I'm always, you know, I, you know I, stories in my head felt to me. I've watched movies. I mean, I, you know, my, my favorite movie is my cousin Vinny. That oh, for me would be, that for me would be the, 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 the top draw step, uh, comedy film. Mm -hmm. And that was what I was always trying to replicate that, that for me. So, so it's just to fill the day really. And as yeah. the books came out and they did well, I got a good readership. It, it felt like I should continue doing that job. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. That's a, that's a great, uh, I feel like people don't really talk too much about that movie enough. That's a pitch perfect movie, like from oh beginning God. to end. Yeah. And it's an ensemble. It's got a brilliant resolution. It's great script, brilliantly mm -hmm. directed. Uh, Dale Lorna, the American guy wrote it. It's just yeah. for me, it, for me, it's the perfect comedy film. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause everyone can watch it. Different generations. You, and if you don't laugh at that, then yeah, you know, what are you laughing at? And the, the, the gross out stuff that we see now doesn't mm. do it for me. Right, right. You know, I know what you mean. It's, it's the wit and the, mm -hmm. and the heart that I love in comedies. Yeah. So, you know, John Hughes movies when I was a kid, but then, you know, that movie for me is, is the benchmark, you know? Yep. I absolutely love that because my, my wife and her entire family, everybody quotes that movie constantly. Like if you could get the quote in, Yes. First, like that—that's the move. <laughs> when Vinny turns up in the in the uh, in the jail for the first time with Ralph mm -hmm. Macchio and he's got his buddies asleep, that for yeah. me is the perfect scene, right? It's the, mis yeah. it's the misinterpretation, and it's it's yeah. it's vulgar, but it's it's absolutely in keeping with this these two terrorized guys and this very you know nonchalant cocky guy from New York, mm -hmm. brilliantly cast. Marissa Tomei got an Oscar. Yeah. And that, that, you know, and so that's very exciting to me as a, as a, as a, as a joker, as a, as a, as a wordsmith, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, I don't personally think I've written anything as good as that, but you know, I've, I've written stuff that's better than stuff, the stuff I do see. And right. That's, there you go. And yeah. that's what keeps me going. You know, when I yeah. see movies that are heralded and I don't rate them, I think, well, I must keep going, you yeah. know, because, yeah. because uh, I can do better than that. So, sometimes you're watching some of these movies and you're like, is there anybody on set? That is going, guys. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, pay me to do it. I'll do it. Because yeah. sometimes there's like, you know, especially with reboots or or any of these things where like, yeah. you know, something comes out later. You know, you're just kind of sitting there and you're like, my God, I love. You, you know, you're sitting there as a fan and you love these characters so much, but you're like, did anybody like this? <laughs> did, well, did the thing is, John, on set, you think we're going to be saved. Okay, right. some, somehow this is going to come together. Somehow this 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 will conspire. Well, mm -hmm. what I'd like to see them is see them in the edit suite, and uh, then go, yeah. "Oh no, 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 no! This is shit. <laughs> we, shouldn't, we, we shouldn't have done this." Right. And now it's too late. Right. Okay? And when yeah. they put it out there, and they they have these lofty reviews, and I think I I think it's a lot of complicity with you know the the, the journalists and the press. They get behind certain movies, studio yeah. movies. And and I do think people must think, oh God, you know, what have we done? 
Yeah. But, you know, look, it's a very hard thing to do, right? It's a moving target. And 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 I haven't managed to, to I mean, you, you mentioned Tom earlier on, my son. Yeah. Tom's had everything come, come for him and good for him. Great. I, I love his, his, his career and what's happened to him. Mm-hmm. But to get a movie made, to get a book bought and, 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 and filmed and distributed, and it's not, not an easy gig. Right. And, uh, you I know. see what you did, though. You went the long route. You're like, I'll, get, I'll make him a superstar. <laughs> he'll, he'll have to commit. <laughs> now I have Tom Holland attached yeah, to his book. Sure. Are, you, yeah, not- are you just sliding him your books every now and again? Like, you know. Yeah. I'm not sliding, John. I'm much more apparent than that. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's no subtlety with my trying to get on in the world. Uh, um, but you know, you know what? That's that's an interesting thing though, because I've written stuff in the past, books in the past, that I think to myself, if Tom were to produce or even to 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 get involved, then, then that, that that's a viable project now. Yeah. And I would let him get on with that. You know, yeah. I would just you could take that and run. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm a, I'm of a certain age. I've done thirty years on stage. Yeah. And I've loved my comedy. I've loved being a stand up. And I do like writing books, but mm-hmm. my ambition has been tempered by just getting older, right? Sure. And you want to yep. start, you know, you, you just feel less hungry. And mm-hmm. I can watch vicariously um, the Hollywood career of Tom, you know. Yeah. I, I've loved seeing that and it's great. And, uh, um, but, uh, you know, I've not been to LA for meetings for a long time because when I went to LA back in the day, it was all so exciting and everything's set up and, and then it just falls over. Yeah. yeah, there's only so many times you can take those bloody noses, you know, Abs- dude, absolutely. And it is hmm. brutal because they really like I've been in meetings where they just call you like I, I, yeah. went, I had a meeting with MTV once and I got I went all the way there and I get into the office and they sit me down and their first words were, yeah, we don't we're not really too interested in comedians. And I was just like, <laughs> Well, what do you want me to be? (laughs) I think I may have at that point in time needed a job that badly where I was like, do you want me to do a little soft shoot? Like, I was like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's, but yeah, I was like, wow, they really don't care. Yeah. And and I was watching Mitch Hedberg talking Uh, about that as well. And I never got to meet Mitch, but he was a guy I really admired. And, mm-hmm. and and he he's really good on those meetings that he had. They, they were yeah. trying to control this very uncontrollable guy yeah, with his yeah. with his substance abuse and his just his, his different brain pattern that he had. Mm. And uh, and he, he he wouldn't play ball with them at all because right. he was a yeah. maverick. And 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 I loved his his attitude. Obviously not with us now, but um, mm. he, he he would have completely confounded these suits because yeah. he'd have left meetings there going he he'll, he'll be back and he wasn't because he didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, back, right. Which I yeah. kind of admire and love for him. You know, yeah. But I was in a meeting once, and a lady, a lady said to me, uh, "She goes, you are the new Frank Capra." And I remember, I remember sitting there thinking, "Right, thank you very much indeed. I must find out who this Frank Capra is." <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, I was a young guy. I was a young stand-up. I'd written this. I'd written this first movie I'd written, and I had no idea who Frank Capra was. Now it's a wonderful life. Yeah. Would be up there with Vinny for me. Right, right. Because yeah. I like I write fairy tales. I write adult fairy tales. It's mm-hmm. really well resolved. I like I like a book to pay off the reader. I like the ending to be really euphoric, which yeah. is what which is what Capra did. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but at the time, I didn't take that um, that compliment on board. I didn't right. know who he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Note to self. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is how, how good are you at like so you know when you're going into these meetings and stuff. Um, are you super protective over your work in terms of like you would have to also do the screenwriting, like ah, or question. yeah? Well, I was back in the day, uh, John. Less mm-hmm. so now. Okay. I think I think now I would say, do what you like. 
Right. You know, um, at the when I first sold um, my first novel to America, I was very, very territorial and wanted to be the guy. That's just a little naive. Mm-hmm. And, and and I remember talking to a guy called Mark Burton who wrote Chicken Run in uh, for um, the early animated movie. Yeah, yeah. And he said to me, "You're going to get fired." And he said to me, and I said, well, "What are you talking about?" I said, "No, no, no, Dominic. They bought your book. They're going to fire you. Okay, just be ready for when they fire you." And they did. Wow. So, so his, his 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 advice was quite sage. And and if that happened now, so for example, made in England, if that were bought, mm-hmm. if they wanted me to do a pass, then I would do a pass, no problem. Okay. But if they said to me, Dominic, we're going to buy the rights and we're going to get Joe Blow to write it, I'd say knock yourself out. Because you've got to be pragmatic, right? Right. And and you just gotta you just gotta play the game. You can't change the game's rules. You know, right. yeah. they own the they own the ball and mm-hmm. you're borrowing the ball. If they want to keep the ball, then fine, let them keep the ball. Right. You just got to try and get over the line. Yeah. You know? And you did the work anyway. So, you know, at this point, yeah. you're like, this is what got me here. And, and that's it. Yeah. And this is as far as it's going to take me. But that's kind of scary, though, too, no, because I have a friend that wrote a screenplay. He sold. He was so excited when he sold it to the studio. And then it just got shelved. He's like, what? Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah. there it goes. He's like, well, I didn't real. he didn't know the math. On like how many they buy and how many they shell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I said to you, Tom. It's not just about getting it moved. It's about getting it shot and edited, and yeah. then sold and distributed. Yeah, you know, yeah. and the, all those four things are enormously difficult hurdles to to overcome. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be very realistic about the the, the likelihood of that happening. Yeah. And uh, when I was a young guy, I was just very naive. I watch a movie like Vinny and think, "Wow, that's a brilliant movie. I'm going to write something like that, mm-hmm. and it's going to yeah. get made." And and it's good to have that enthusiasm. And I love my I love being enthusiastic. However, that gets bashed back when you realize the actual the parameters are different. And yeah. it isn't it isn't so meritocratic. It's a lot about a lot of things lining up for you that have to line up. And if they don't, if there's one thing out of the kilter, then it's not gonna happen. Tom's life mm-hmm. was incredible, incredibly serendipitous. Everything lined up for Tom. So he was yeah. 19 when they were looking for an athletic kid who could be a cute kid and a tough looking kid. And he could do gymnastics. And, and so everything lined up for Tom. And then he managed to do it and, and smack it out the park every time he was given an opportunity. So yeah. That's quite rare, though, right? Yeah. Most people yeah. don't get that alchemy. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, and I certainly haven't. But that isn't being rancorous. That's just life. I think that's just how it sure. goes. Right. But yeah. it's a beautiful thing in contrast, too, though, right? Yes. So it's like oh. you and your son like have, have taken – you know, parallel roads and seeing all the different outcomes that come amongst it, yes. right? Mm. And, and I feel very fortunate, Tom, because, I mean, I wrote a story called Eclipsed, and it was a perfect story because Tom's trajectory was so unusual and mine yeah. was so normal, but in contrast, they became very comic. So it felt to me like I was, I'd was i been given by my son this really funny story to tell. Yeah. And yeah. to me, I mean, I put myself down in the book, but actually it's pretty, it's pretty um, affirming. Because my life is normal and his mm-hmm. life is not normal. Right. So it's, it's a juxtaposition of, of, of two people at different scales or yeah. on a different scale. And, and, uh, and I've loved, I mean, I spoke to Tom today. He's in New York today. I speak to him every day. We have a great relationship. Um, we pass everything by each other back and forth. But yeah, I mean, I, I am bemused and beguiled by what's happened to him. Um, yeah. because it has been, you know, there, he'd never been to a stage school. He hadn't had a le- an acting lesson and wow. just, he was in that place and he was managed to, he managed to do what he can do. Nikki and I, my wife and I, we, we look at each other and think, hang on, are you that confident? No, I'm not that confident either. <laughs> How does he do that? How does he go on that TV show? Just sit down and start riffing with these, you know, very seasoned 
evening hosts in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems to be, you know, I just think, wow, who brought him up? Yeah. Oh, I did. Oh. You know? he, he does have that kind of uh, stand-up comic kind of confidence, though, even when he was younger, when he's talking with these people, because he, know, like, he knows he's... He, to to an outsider, when I'm watching him, it's like, oh my god, he really knows he's funny. He knows the timing. He knows when to jump in more than you know comedians who first start out do. Is that like, do you think he gleaned some of that off of you? I think he probably did a little, John. Although I did a little coaching early doors. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about Tom is when he last did Graham Norton, which is our big show in the United Kingdom. I love Graham Norton. So I was good. backstage with Tom, and I'd written some stuff with him or for him, and he mm-hmm. he would read it. And he would definitely get immediately every beat. Nice. And I wouldn't need to accentuate it. And mm-hmm. he would get it and he'd know where to pause. And then, he, and then on, when I watched it in the audience, I'm in the audience and I know Graham, I used to work with Graham back in the day. Mm. He, he could come in on things. And I'd yeah. think to myself, wow, he, he's got every best bit of, of, of what I managed to do over the years without any experience <laughs> doing it. <laughs> many nights in the clubs. He's never been heckled. He's never been booed off. Right. And yet he's gleaned all of this this um, timing stuff that he has. Mm-hmm, and yeah. it's great to watch. Listen, I'm, I, I enjoy watching it and him as much as the people who are watching your podcast now. Right. And, and he happens to be my son, which is even more, it's confusing, right? <laughs> it's confusing. and it, But it's lovely confusing. Yeah. You know? And how about the other kids? Did they are they in the similar entertainment path, or did they go a totally separate route? What I normally say is, "What other kids?" (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, no, they 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 kind of all are Tom into the arts, right? My little boy Paddy is my youngest. He's really into drawing. Um, Harry was with Tom, and he makes he's made a short film now already. Yeah, so he's into writing and, and creating film. Doesn't want to be in front of the camera. Um, Sam did look at acting, but he's now he's now chefing and wants to be a chef. So good for him as a creative gig again. Very cool. Awesome. Um, none of them have been to university. None of them did the formal route, you know. So, um, you know, none of them. The professions were never really an option for my kids. You know, I wasn't academic. They weren't terribly academic. So it makes sense for them to go to the arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And Tom, obviously, you both know how it works. When your surname is Holland and Tom's your brother, right? Yeah, things open doors, right? So, sure. you Absolutely. know, I'm under no delusions that that's a great advantage for my boys. I'm actually in the process of changing my last name to Holland, so I hope you don't mind. <laughs> uh, I've got the paperwork drawn, and uh... yeah. well, we're looking for an older son, John. So I'll speak to you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold out much hope. You've got more hair than is necessary for a man. Uh, that John, John's okay home. with the transition if you need an older daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine with it. Whatever, <laughs> Whatever you need. I'll shave this down. It's not a problem. You <laughs> need to shave um, that a lot down. Yeah. It is. I did, I did kind of go in the direction of like somebody that they're still looking for in the 70s, like a police sketch guy. <laughs> like, has anybody seen this man? Like, I watch those documentaries sometimes. I'm like, fuck, that looks a little too much like me. Um, you have the but... Kama Sutra look. Have you seen the Kama Sutra <laughs> You have that sort of sex, that sex slave look, John. And, and, and I'm thinking you look, you look like a lithe guy. I, I can imagine you dressed down well. Yeah, oh, that was great. That's the best dig ever. Holy shit! No one's ever said that's that fucking got me. Holy crap! Yeah. And no one's ever offered me that gig either. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So none of them, none of them, though you you didn't see any of them trying to go into stand up comedy. 
No, I wouldn't encourage them to. I think stand-up comedy is only if it's in your bones. Yeah. And it's a strange mm-hmm. thing to do, John, right? Because when you're out on that stage, it's a frightening place to be, okay? Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it becomes less frightening, but it never becomes normal. Maybe it does to you, <laughs> but certainly, certainly never to me. I've never no. been on stage and it feels normal. No. So um, Tom did a gig once in, in um, Rio. I think it was Rio, somewhere in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And he was, had, a, had a very big audience, partisan crowd. One of the movies was out, one of the Spider-Man movies. And he was on stage. And like, everyone was just laughing at everything he said because they were right. so partisan. They loved this kid. And he came off stage and said to me, hey, Dad, I, th- I think I could do stand-up. <laughs> I said, Tom, when you do the comedy store late show at half mm-hmm. past one in the morning and nobody knows who you are, mm-hmm. that's when you know you're funny. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. So... You, you, you know, I wouldn't encourage them to do stand up. If they came to me and said, Dad, I really want to do what you do, then I wouldn't get in their way. I'd right. say, fantastic. Okay. But you have to find your own feet. Right. Yeah. I mean, I could write for, I could write for them, but it's whether they, it's whether they look good on stage and they, they start to do their own gear. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't encourage it. I mean, would, would you encourage kids to do stand up, John? If you no, could? absolutely not. Yeah. And it's such a weird thing because I think when you start out, like I was, I, I look back at stuff that I had written because I was such a comedy nerd when I was a kid. Yeah. Like I had all the books and I was reading stuff from the seventies about all these, you know, everybody's got these great stories. So you're just idealistic when you're in the beginning of it. And yeah. then it's like, if you don't survive how much it beats you down in the beginning, cause you're such a nobody and you, and you're still trying to figure yourself out, then it's not for you. Like it's just, it's, it's a weird thing to continue to do. I, I don't understand. I don't think I would do it again. I don't know. Well, Maybe I would. It depends on the on your. Well, okay. There's two reactions. There's the reaction from the industry, and yeah. the reaction from the audience. Okay, they're different things. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I can smash a room. You can fill a room with 500 people, and I will completely smash the room, and the audience will go home. Hey, he was great. Yeah. That that doesn't mean anything to the industry. Right. So you, you've got to re- you've got to reconcile two things. If you, if you're good at your job, that's good. That's great. You can make people laugh. But whether the industry then says, okay, you're the guy, we're going to use you. Right. Okay. Yeah. They they are very different things, and so um, you've got to you've got to divorce those two things. I think. Yep. Okay. So um, the reason why I've managed to do stand up for as long as I've done it is because the the audience kept laughing. Mm. You, f- I fell out, I've fallen out with the industry because you get old, right, and you get less hair, and they're not they're not interested anymore. Doesn't mean you're not funny. Right. The, yeah. the only way I could stop, I would have to just stop doing stand up, is if the people stop laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so the bookers stop calling you doesn't mean you're not funny, right? And the information you get is because the punters keep laughing, yeah, right. And that's the key. That's yeah. the key. That's a great. That's a great way to put it, and a great piece of advice. Because even like I've been doing it 16 years, and like the people that are coming up now, even out of the pandemic, because a lot of them started yeah. doing stand up just before that, and then that hit, so they had to already try to find a new avenue, uh-huh. which is so funny because you would think. You know, if you only started doing it like six months before lockdown hit, you would just go, I guess I'm not doing stand up anymore. But these yeah. people like you can tell they have a little bit of the bug because they were like, I'm going to try it again in a different way. But, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't do many Zoom gigs. I was off no. for a few Zoom gigs and I was really erring away from them. Yeah. Do you not find it interesting when you're working with young comics mm-hmm. and they seem to arrive fully formed and, and a backstage, not nervous? And I think, how how rude are you? <laughs> you should be you should be shitting yourself now. What are you doing? Absolutely. You should be throwing up in a bucket. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> they walk out as if as if, hey, you're lucky I'm here, guys. Yeah. You're lucky. You're lucky I'm in the room. Yeah. And I, I kind of admire that. I think mm-hmm. that's an amazing gift to have, but it 
pisses me off. <laughs> Dude, I, I feel the same exact way. And it's one of those things because I'm like, I remember what I was like. And yes. I had this like, you know, super nervous quality and like would yeah. do well once I hit the stage. But everything before that, everything leading up to that would be like, you know, that headache you get in the back of your neck, yeah. you know, from walks you got to go on. I, I would walk around the block. I'd, put, I'd make a furrow in the sidewalk of the pavement. <laughs> yeah. I would be so nervous. And and I, and I always did well. I mean, I, when, mm -hmm. I, when I started doing stand up, I very quickly got very good and was on TV quite quickly and had a great 20 minute set. Yeah. And it was really good for me. Eddie Izzard picked me up and we went on tour together. Oh, so I had, a great, I had a great introduction to comedy. Wow, um, wow. But it is an attritional game. And I wouldn't lie to anyone. It, it is not for the faint-hearted mm -hmm. stand-up comedy. Not for the faint. Because, you know, you're only as good as your last gig. And, you know, I'll dot around London or the equivalent of New York and just do three or four sets a night. Right. And um, they were halcyon days for me. And I love them. I cherish them. I'm mm -hmm. very fond of my, my comedy days, you know. Who was your, did you have, like, when you initially started, did you have a crew that you hung out with that you went around to clubs with, or were you, did you stay by yourself? No, no, no. We had, we had guys we were seeing different gigs, and, and there was a real camaraderie. You know, you're all, it's interesting camaraderie because you're all, you're all trying to beat each other, right? Yeah. You want, yeah. you want to be the best on the show, and you want to get the gig, you want to get the TV gig, but mm -hmm. there was a real camaraderie amongst us. I mean, on the circuit back in the day, I mean, Eddie Izzard was on the circuit and, yeah. and, and it was amazing to be working with Eddie. We all knew where he was destined for. We all knew he was going to become this massive comedian and he, and he duly did. Right. But back in the day, I was working with Patrice O'Neill. Oh. I was working with um, Louis C.K. at the Comedy Store. Wow. And they were just guys. They weren't, you know, I, I, I was, yeah. my, wife, my wife showed me a clip today. She goes, hey, watch this comedian. Mm -hmm. And she showed me this comedian and it was Louis C.K. back in the day. <laughs> and I said, oh, my God, I used to work with that guy. And Nikki couldn't believe it. She said, oh, my God. And, and, but when Louis used to work with me in London, he wasn't the headliner. I would go after Louis. Wow. Or, or he would go first. I would go second. Mm -hmm. He was just a guy. He yeah. was one of four comics on the bill. And, and, they, and I, we, I didn't realize what was, what was ahead for Louis, becoming this massive stadium comedian. But, right. you know, I, I loved working with him. And Patrice O'Neill, I was a massive Patrice O'Neill fan. But, again, Patrice was not closing shows. Right. He was just—he was just on a bill, you wow. know. Yeah. So to be working, I mean, I look back and I know Patrice is gone now, but if you see some of his specials, he was a great stand-up, right? Yeah, he was—he was a phenomenal on stage. Like he was, he was great. He was super great. I worked with him once um, when I was starting out, and it was—it's was one of those guys that you would watch and you go, "Yeah, I should stop." And he was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You think I can't do it? Like, like for me, watching Vinny. Okay, mm. I, I'll write a good story, but it's not Vinny now. When I watched Patrice's some of his specials, I think, yeah, I could never have done that. I could never because he had that confidence and that that shushpar and that fuck yeah. you, you know. And I yeah. loved him. I loved him, and I and I'm really really proud that that we worked together. You know. Yeah. yeah. That's. Was there somebody early on that you emulated? Uh, I didn't really emulate anyone, uh, John. I just I just knew that I could make people laugh, and I found mm. my little voice. And my voice. I mean, Rich Hall is a, a guy I used to work with back in the day. And Rich said to me, you know, Dominic, you are the you are the the English Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> now, you know, that's the great compliment to me. But that could be that that could be a, a um, that could be a criticism because Jerry sure. is an observational stand up, which is not heralded. Okay? Right. Right. I think if it's done well, it's a thing of beauty. Mm -hmm. and, and he was so economical with his words. He never used any more words than required. And that gave him great punch right yeah. he'd make you laugh with the least amount of effort required and i well, think that 
that I think that elevated his comedy. And I think he was an, almost an artist. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that I mean, I was just going to say, when I've watched your stand up, you do have a very effortless kind of like it almost you forget what you're even going into because you just start your your show and you start talking and you're like, oh, yeah. my God, this guy's one. You're interesting, too. Like, that's the other thing, too. You've got that like, you know, combination where you're like, I really want to hear what he has to say. I don't even care if he's making me laugh. And then the bonus is oh my God, this guy's hilarious. He's making me uh -huh. laugh. And you just seem to do it so effortlessly that you're hooked in immediately. Well, the only thing I'd pick up on there though, John, it's not effortless, mate. It's exhausting. Right. Yes, I, <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing that comedians know is you're like, God, this guy is working. Every gear yeah. is moving and, and every, to the audience. And everything I come up with, I call them little nuggets, you know, and, mm -hmm. and they're so hard to get because observational comedy has to be oblique. It has right. to be where you confound the crowd. Because the crowd do it, but they hadn't seen it. Sure. And yeah. that's why they're so hard to get. They're like nuggets in a river where you're trying to find some gold. Yeah. And that's why, for me, Seinfeld, you know, also, it's not one of these shouty comedians. The comedians nowadays that are all shouting, they spend the whole set shouting at the audience. Wow, <laughs> people, you're going to laugh. You won't. You will laugh. Yeah. Whereas Seinfeld is more confident than that. And he's a guy who's just got these funny ideas. And he articulates them in such a way mm. that he, he makes everybody laugh. And, and that so he would be for me, in terms of emulation, who would you like to who would you like to be like? I would say I'd like to be like Jerry. Right. Um, because, he you know, not because of his sitcom, because of his stand up. Yeah. Yeah. Was that a goal when you started doing stand up? Because I don't know what it was like uh, for guys who started in the UK and stuff. But was it did you think like stand up and this will get me a TV show and then a thing and then a thing like was it was it like a gateway for you? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Now, I think that I think that Amer that's an American parabola that we don't have so much. Mm. For me, it was definitely I want to be a stand up comedian. So I want to play theaters. And that's my that's my game. Mm. The reason why I started to get into writing books was because I think my nerves overcame me and, and they curtailed my ability to really push on. Wow. So when I got offered some bigger stuff on TV, I would always say, oh, I'm not ready for that. And then eventually they stop asking you because they've yeah. moved on to the next funny guy. And then right. when you say, hey, maybe I'll do it now, they go, no way. <laughs> and, so, and so for me, because I had this, this, this creative um, outpouring, if you like, or, mm -hmm. you know, I, I found I had to find other avenues. Right. So the books became, well, okay, well, I'm going to write a really funny comic novel. I'm going to mm. make people laugh with my comic books. And guess what? My books can be, can, can get picked up as movies and, and I can become the new Richard Curtis, who's, you know, a guy who's written romantic comedies. Um, I mean, I know Richard a little bit and, you know, I'm not a fan of four weddings, but I like Notting Hill, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in my head, I, I thought I could write stuff every bit as commercial as him, but we go back to, you need everything to line up. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get into comedy to try and become a filmmaker or a, or an actor. I got into comedy because as a kid, I figured out it was the only thing that I was better than other kids in class at. Nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. Were your parents cool with you going from, you know, uh, in, in the show business? <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, 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 seems they, about right. They realized that Don was delusional and not as funny as he thought he was. So they, <laughs> yeah. So they, were like, they, they were worried this kid's gonna crash and burn and he's gonna jump off a bridge um, oh my god yeah no um, my dad my dad was very academic and i think he knew that his second son was a little quirkier than his first son who became a very you know wall street lawyer type guy mm -hmm. 
that was never going to be me. I was never destined for the professions. Right. And a, a gig in life was much more realistic for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, right. you know, look, I, I'm not the best comic in the United Kingdom, but I can rock a room. And right. that's, a very, that's a very affirming thing. When you can do that and you hear that reaction, that's a really lovely thing to be able to do for a living. And mm-hmm. so, so it made sense for me to do it. But I, I go back to it. I don't think it's without cost. It's quite an attritional game. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you, you really like you seem to you had the family, you had you, know, you have six kids, you have a wife and stuff like that. That's I feel like that's kind of rare for comedians. Um, just, just like to pick you up there, just in case the people watching four kids. OK, four kids. Sorry. Six. John, kids. John was adding me and him to your thing. <laughs> oh, I see. I was like, yeah, he's doing that Jedi thing where he's yeah. making you believe it before it happens. You have a very hairy child yeah. in, the, in the United States. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I, have, I have four boys and, and two men as, as sons. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> One won't stop wearing an 80s denim jacket. <laughs> I'm you, though, John. You wear it well, mate. You wear oh, it thank well. thank you. Yeah. No, no. My, 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 my family life is very unorthodox, I suppose, for, you know, a lot of my mates have... have uh, you know, we'd, we'd do the comedy store and I was very boring. I would, you know, we'd do the comedy store in, in London. I'd be closing the show quarter to two in the morning. And the other guys would say, what are you going to do now? I go, well, I'm going home. <laughs> what are you going to do? Because I've got two kids at home. So, so right. I was very boring. And, and, and maybe that's why, you know, here we are still married and successfully married. And so a lot of the guys really lived it out there and I didn't do that. So, right. um, you know, the, the, the showbiz rock and roll thing never really was into my, I mean, I had kids young. Tom was born. I was 20. I was, I would have been 29 maybe, you know, okay, when Tom okay. was born. And uh, that was it for me. That was the biggest thing in my life. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, comedy is really important. And I've loved my career and loving to trying to keep it going, writing new books and stuff. But the kids definitely, when they came along, became much more important than my gigs. Mm. Did they understand you leaving to do comedy, to go on the road, to go out at night? You know, it's interesting. When the kids were little, it was when I was on TV, when I was famous in the United Kingdom, was when the kids mm-hmm. were really little, which is not great timing. But mm-hmm. um, all they knew is that my dad or their dad goes around the country making people laugh. And I used to joke that what they used to think I used to do is go around tickling people. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, and they'd be embarrassed again. What does your dad do for a living? No, he doesn't work. He doesn't work. He, doesn't, he hasn't got a job. Because they, they probably had no idea that their dad was standing up. But of late, when I was in Edinburgh last doing the festival, Sam, my, one of my middle boys, one of the twins, he came and worked the room for me. Mm-hmm. So he'd speak the patrons and, and he'd do the sound desk and introduce me on stage. And that was lovely. I was really loved that, you know, because he yeah. was part of the gig and he was, you know, drumming up, leafleting, getting punters to buy tickets and stuff. So, um, but I always found it a little bit of an ordeal having friends along and family along. You know, you always pray for a good yeah. gig and you always panic about, a smelly, yep. you know, you know the gigs that come along, you kind of you don't see them coming, and it's a bit smelly. Yep. You have to explain to people afterwards that wasn't normal. <laughs> oh god, I, I swear to God, my friends have like a radar for yes. like shit gigs where yeah, I'll, I'll get it. Yeah, and, I, and you'll try. I'll try to keep it quiet because sometimes I'm like, okay, I've got a lot of big stuff coming up. I want to do one just to just to dick around and like yes. have whatever, and that's yes. the one they go to. Yes, it's, and I'm like, it's, it's, it's very upsetting. It's sod's law. I remember saying to my wife one day, we were doing the, I was doing the comedy store in the West End and the whole street, my whole street and neighborhood, the word had gone around, Dom was doing the comedy store. I said to Nikki, 
if I have a shit gig, we're going to have to move house. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to sell this house and buy a house in an yep. area where they don't know who I am. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was never big on having friends and family to gig. Some comics seem to love it. Right. But I was never, I was never, that, ne- I never, I was never into that. Leave me yeah. alone. Let me do my stuff. Yeah. You're, John's yeah. the same way. I'll, I'll yeah. see people will say they're coming to the gig, and he gets you see the sad face wash yeah. over John. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you come see me? Leave me yeah. alone. I know. I'm like God. Well, we'll go to dinner. Like you can get this for yes. free. Don't put pressure yeah. on it. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, because it affects me. I don't know how it. You know, other guys. You, you, you know, you, you. You know, you'll see them there, and also they know your stuff is not true. Because you've embellished it, right? So hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. That's not true. He hasn't got a shit kitchen. He's got a nice kitchen. What yeah, are you talking so about? Yeah. You know. Oh, I know. It's and it, it really does. You're right. It absolutely screws with your head too. Like depending on who's there. I have one friend who, and that's it, by the way, just one. Uh, but I have one friend who, uh, I swear to God, I don't think she's ever seen me do particularly well. <laughs> and it bothers me. And I tell and I um, and I have and she's literally she's one of my best friends. At We've least she's still other. your friend, John. I mean, she might have reappraised that. I know. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's because after the fact that I don't do well, I spend like a week on the phone with her. I'm like, hey, have you seen the new? You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to like. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, do, I, I call them bogey people. See, so, my, so my brother-in-law, I, I've now banned him from gigs. <laughs> I said, you can, you can never come and see me again. Wow. Every time he comes, I think it's going to be a shit gig, and maybe it's psychosomatic. Maybe I sort of, maybe I sort of preordain that, yeah. Because because he's there, yeah. So he he must think, geez, how have you made a living? How have you yeah. got a house? <laughs> you're shit. You're not a funny man. That's exactly my, what I think. Well, we all have smelly gigs, right? But the thing is, your standard goes up. Okay, so you mm. know, I can have a seven out of ten gig, and I know I, was, I know I was a bit iffy, but the audience might think he was great. Yeah. I'll, oh, yeah. I'll know, I'll know how good I was, and it depends on how I feel. Because when I'm on stage feeling great, like the shows you might have seen on my tapes, John, mm-hmm. you know, you know, when I'm doing well on stage, then it's the easiest job and the best job in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's getting on that stage and then having the, having all that material you've had to go through to get to that gold. Mm-hmm. That's the hard part. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like because I think I've, I've asked like a lot of comics this and even musicians too who have been on that they kind of have the same feeling. If you ever feel too comfortable, then you're good. Then you know it's over and you're, it's going to suck. Well, I couldn't answer that because I never felt that comfortable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. yeah. No, I've, I've never ever turned up at a gig and felt you guys are lucky I'm in the room. Right. I, right. I've always thought, I've always felt, I really hope you like this, guys. Mm-hmm. Please. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a little bit of license here. Give me a bit of leeway, and I reckon I can do this for you. Yeah. In in the beginning, too, I, th- I don't know if you had this same issue or, like, I, it took me a little bit to kind of figure out that the audience wasn't th- – that they were actually on your side and they wanted to have a good show, too. Oh, completely. You've yeah. you got to remind yourself of that. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, a, it's a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And you'd be, you'd be a very obtuse person if you went along thinking, I hope this guy sucks. I really hope this guy sucks. <laughs> you know, and the audience are $20 down. They've got babysitters in. Yeah. They yeah. definitely want you to be a good, to be a good standout. And, yeah. um, you know, and I would say 90% of my gigs are great. And then mm-hmm. over the years you get a few smelly ones. And, but some of the important gigs when journalists are in or, or a suits in, yeah. That really affected me. And I was not able to do the A-plus gigs when I knew that Joe Blow was in from this this channel or that channel or this TV show. Um, and uh, again, that you know that, that's why I'm so 
delighted by Tom's embracing of the the media and how he's able to do stuff. I yeah. thought, wow, Tom, you know, because that's not come from me because I was always beating myself up about nerves and what have you. So I think the best guys who make it, the best stand-ups are the people who can do it when really required and they can browbeat a room into their, into their submission, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They drugged. I, I like, that's the kind of thing. Like I always like thinking like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to go reach them, but I'm going to bring them into me. And I think those yeah. are the ones, those are the comics I learned from when I was younger was like, Oh, they, they really made that room. It joined them in their world. Well, yeah, because I, I, I call it, um, yeah, you just exactly what you said, bringing me, cause I'm a quiet comedian. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I don't do the shouty stuff. Okay, right. I did a yeah. Woody Allen, Jerry Seinfeld, even Cosby. Mm. I, you know, here's my world. You can come in, and if you all listen, then yeah. I can use pauses and a nuance mm -hmm. to make you laugh at yourselves. Yeah, did you but find you were like that when you were younger in class? Like in class, were you not like? Because there was always the the guy who like would drop his pants, <laughs> and everyone would laugh. And I was, uh, you know, in class, I was more the guy who'd who'd just whisper something to somebody, yes, and then I, they would, you know, yeah. were you like that too? I was never dropping pants, never doing that. No, I was, I was too late. I was too late with puberty for that to be an issue. <laughs> but that was never going to happen to me, John. I was my my underpants stayed firmly on, even even after even after the game. I would be showering in my underpants. Okay, because I was I was late to everything. Oh my um, god! But oh. um, yeah, no, you know, look, comedy is 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 a, it's a it's a beautiful thing right mm -hmm. making people laugh fantastic in in, in the written form or the st and stand-up's the most pure form right yeah. I mean, what is it every 30 seconds yeah it's got to be every 30 seconds a funny film is two laughs out loud in an hour and a half <laughs> you know yeah. that's a bombing comedian yep yeah you know so stand-up comedy is ruthless and i've got a very high bar and if stuff's not funny i'll drop it it's mm -hmm. got to be up there and I don't mind doing performance stuff where I've got to perform it correctly to get the laugh. That's fine. I'm happy for that. Put the energy in, but it's got to be conceptually funny. Yeah. And, and, and stand-up comedy is demanding, you know, mm -hmm. whereas, you know, poetry plays, they can be humorous and get five-star reviews. Stand-up yeah. comedy, you better have the room laughing out loud. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. There's um, no smiles. There's no money in smiles in stand-up comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How how much of your stand up winds up in your books and vice versa? Are you writing and going, oh, this would be a good bit? Yeah, possibly, but um, but yeah, not 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 such a crossover, I think, John. I mean, mm. I I don't put humor into the book unless it's um, in keeping with the character, so mm. I don't set out to write. Um, well, uh, that's not true. The Ripple Effect, my second book. Mm -hmm. Um, that was an overtly comic novel that I wrote to be a funny laugh out loud book. Right. Okay, right. but the book I've just written, Made in England, um, it's got comic elements to it, but I wouldn't describe it as a comedy book. It's a great yarn. It's a, it's an intriguing story with a great resolution. And where I can find comedy, I'll put it in. Nice. Whereas in stand-up comedy, it's much the the equation is much more uh, binary. Okay, it's got to be funny, funny, funny from the beginning beginning to the end. Nice. Um, whereas with with novels, your license is much more broad. And as long mm -hmm. as you've got a, a story that's compelling and it's interesting and you, people want to read on, then your, your comedy can gild that rather than right. be the main thrust. You know, um, you were talking about Tom's confidence and stuff before and dealing with the media. How early on was it hard for you to not want to be in the room with him? Cause he was young, you know, he was started out so young and you had all this yeah. experience leading into it. Were you kind of like, Oh man, John, 
have you, have you listened to other interviews I've done? Are you really researching this stuff, John? Because you were really quite prescient there, my friend. <laughs> I, went to New York, I went to New York with Tom mm-hmm. um, when he was cast in the first movie called The Impossible. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and he had gone on a recce to meet the two co-stars, mm-hmm. um, his parents on screen, Ewan McGregor and Naomi Watts and the director. I yeah. was cock hoop Okay, I'm a stand-up comic. I'm flying to New York, man. How exciting is this mm-hmm. with my son? And I was so excited to go. We were staying in the Soho Grand in, in Manhattan. We were meeting them in this hotel. And, and I, 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 this is a chapter of Eclipsed. We were, so I said, we went for a walk in the morning. And Tom said to me, Dom, Dad, what can I expect from this meeting? I said, well, Tom, it's probably just going to be like, get to know them. You might read the script. And he was very anxious. He was 14. Mm-hmm. And I said, Tom, do you want me to come to the meeting with you? And he said, yes, dad, I do. And I'm thinking, correct answer. Because <laughs> I, I want to go to the meeting as well. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> I, to meet, I mean, I fancied Naomi Watts, like most guys of my age did. Oh, I was yeah. happy to meet Ewan McGregor, British, massive British movie star. Mm. Um, and then what happened was we went to the meeting. The producers were there. The director was there. The writer was there. Ewan turned up. Naomi turned up. And there was one person in the room who needn't be there. And it was Tom's dad. And I, was, and I thought to myself, yeah, okay, so this room is perfect, but for one thing. And I, I instinctively realized I need to leave. Okay, mm. I need to leave to save them saying, excuse me, could you just leave? And, and I got thrown out of that room. Okay, because I said, shall I leave? And they all went, oh, yes, please, please. Just get out of this room. <laughs> and that's when I first realized that, oh, my God, I'm just a chaperone. I'm just right. the guy bringing the kid. And it's the kid they want. And that was a bit of a reckoning for me. So Mm. your question is completely correct. I would love to have been involved in Tom's machinations, but he has people on the West Coast. They take care of everything. Um, And so, no, I'm very, very now removed from it all. But that's life. That's, you know, I'm still his old man. He speaks to me all the time. But yeah. But not about, the, not, not about the intricacies of his world now. Yeah, but you have such That's... a good head on your shoulders about it, too. Like, mm-hmm. I have to compliment you on that, because I feel like I've heard horror stories of people, their oh, kids, yeah. you know, but, yeah. Oh, no, listen, I'll tell you, uh, the, the, the sort of the pushy parent thing, that's one of the reasons for writing Eclipsed, to, 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 to rebut the accusations that we're mad parents who wanted to make our kid famous. <laughs> you know, right. Um, Nothing could be further from the truth. We were confounded by all these odds and we kept getting, you know, but no, I mean, there are some horror stories and, and, and families who, who um, want to own the kid's success is, is yeah. a recipe for disaster. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm very happy to say, look, Tom, I don't know where he came from. Okay. Maybe he was a mix up. Maybe he's a clone. I don't know, but <laughs> he's, he's, he's definitely uh, not like I was when I was his age. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if I managed to do it, if I if I made him, then I can't explain to you how I did. Right. Yeah. And if I did, I'd write that book because it would be a bestseller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that's I, almost every. Oh, go ahead, Tom. Oh no, I was gonna say I find it so interesting that like it's almost transferred even from when you were younger, right? It was always about like being in the room with the suits was not your thing, still not your thing, but somehow your son, like maybe he got it from your wife's genetics, but it just. Yeah, but then Nikki's very different as well, Tom. Nikki's not a not an assured person. She's not a brazen person at all. So it, it is a, an interesting, um, you know, um, result and outcome. But you know, mm. look, show business um, is is where everything's heightened, okay, yeah. and and so it, it it exposes all your vulnerabilities. And when you have when you have a, the success that he does, okay, 
you, you, it's a very perilous place to be. Mm, yeah. Going off the rails is kind of normal, right? Yeah. I mean, you've mm -hmm. just seen the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case. Oh, God. I mean, yeah, that was yeah. so unedifying. For the, We all watched it or we all took part in it, but mm -hmm. they're both damaged people because they've had this, this enormous affirmations and wealth and nobody saying no. Yeah. You know, yeah. they don't hear that most important word in the English language, which is no, you can't do that or no, you can't have that. Right. Yeah. So in a way, it's good that Tom has a mum and dad and his three brothers who are just regular family because I yeah. think he's much more likely to remain normal. Yeah, you know, yeah. In a very unnormal world, because he's Spider-Man, right? I mean, how many Spider-Men have there been? Not many. Right. You know, not, not many kids his age have had the success he's had. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's good for Tom. I think he's got a good shot of being uh, carrying on, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. He's. I mean, it's, that's the thing that's cool to, like, everybody that I, I know who loves the Marvel movies and who's a fan of, of his and the other stuff he's done, too, is just you know, when you watch him in an interview, you're like, oh, he just seems like a regular guy, super yeah. nice, down to earth, humble, like, you know, there's nothing, like there's dad. nothing there. Like his dad, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't know exactly. what his dad is. It's what but... people will say when they see this interview as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll take that. I'll take that. Look, I'm dead proud of him. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't like false modesty. I think that's one of the most ugly traits of humanity. Yeah. Being, yeah. You know, falsely modest. I'm very proud of Tom. I think he does a great job. He's mm -hmm. very good at what he does. And uh, I'm not surprised by the, the acclaim he has because he's very, he's great. I uh, watching the movies. I, I remember seeing him in civil war. We're very nervous. Mm. That introduction. Yeah. Cause he went out there to film that without us there. He, he just, he got the gig wow. and we went, Tom, well done, man. Pat on the back. He just got on a plane, went out there and filmed that. We just hoped it went well. First time he saw it was on, was on at a theater in London. As soon as I saw him interchanging with Robert, I thought, bloody hell, he was brilliant. He was yeah. great. He just looked so natural. He, he just, I was really, I thought he was fantastic. You know? Yeah. The two of them are phenomenal together. I really hope they get to do something else like on screen because it would just be, I mean, a waste of kind of like the, you know, the relationship they kind of have. Yeah. And, and the good thing about Marvel is even though he's now dead, that character, we all know in Marvel, these, these universes, they can do what they like, right? Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. So they, they have a, they have the broadest license of any writers in the world, you know, because everyone will just take what they say and yeah. what they offer up. People go, yeah, we'll do that. No problem. No problem. Mm. Iron Man's back. Fine. No problem. So that's a really lovely thing for the actors. I mean, if you're if you're in that MCU and you're a, one of the cherished characters, bloody hell, you're really lucky. You're really yeah, fun. absolutely. As, yeah, and believe true. me, trust me, as as like a true like superhero comic book Marvel nerd, I'm I'm like this close from going. Well, here's what happens. Let me tell you. So there's like a <laughs> <laughs> like there's a portal that opens. Like I know, yes. like I, I bore the shit out of my friends with all that stuff. Um, do you do you kind of uh prod him for like information? Because we we everybody jokes around about how much of a like uh yeah. you know spoiler he kind of is for that kind of stuff. But are you like hey tell me. Tell me how it ends. Just I'm your I'm your old man. Tell me how it ends. <laughs> I have to say, I have to say, um, I did know about the boys coming back. Oh, nice. Yeah, I didn't know that, but of course, uh, Tom wouldn't need to tell me this. I mean, we all have social media platforms, right? We all know what we're all after clicks and stuff. <laughs> but uh, it would have been it would have been a familial disaster had I yeah had I gone out to the world with that nugget. You know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah. So Tom trusts me, thank God. Nice. But, um, <laughs> but um, no, uh, you know, and they, Anthony Mackie was the one who started that, and Tom and Anthony got on really well. Mm -hmm. And I think he's much more discreet. 
He's certainly he's certainly not a doofus, you know. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. It's clearly it's like a thing. It, it, it became a funny thing, and the and the fans cherished it. You know, the yeah. fact that the fact I think what Tom does so well is he doesn't he doesn't he's he's very happy to laugh at himself. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if yeah. you watched him, you watched him doing the um, <clears throat> hot wings thing, the big oh, thing. On so the good. Thing. So yeah. <clears throat> he doesn't take himself too seriously, and he's not worried about how he comes over. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that natural presence he has is very affirming and people that's why i think people gravitate towards him because as you right. say he seems like a normal guy yeah you know there's not yeah. a pr machine around him and what can be said and they must yeah. take that out so which i think is again why he's so he's very accessible to, to fans you know right yeah Absolutely. yeah there's a, there's a lot of people that you watch sometimes and i won't drop any names but like you know <laughs> you'll see these celebrities or whatever where you're like oh can we get a yeah. real answer for the love of god like yeah. can you just you know be genuine and in the moment um, yeah. how, are you pushing hard for like a um like an uh, a future older Spider-Man thing where like you're his like you're like I'm Spider-Man from the future <laughs> <laughs> because it could work it could totally work you're in good shape you look you know obviously your your father and son you look alike so but people say to me though people have genuinely said to me Dom could you not um at least get a walk on get a line you know. Get- <laughs> Yeah, get a get a single get a roll, man. Get like, that sag credit role. up. Not a big roll, but just a line. Get one mm. line, and I. You know what, guys? You know nothing could be more awful than me. That phone call. Hey, Tom. Um, not got many gigs coming up. Uh, <laughs> wanted to know whether. I just read the script. There is a line on page forty-two. I reckon I can do that. Okay, now, now, okay. So, what would happen is Tom would think Tom Tom would put the phone down, and think, "Oh shit, my dad's become a mad person," okay. <laughs> and it would so compromise him and so mm-hmm. disappoint him. I mean, I wouldn't want to do it anyway, guys. Right, right. I would find I would find it so eggy to mm-hmm. rock up on set yeah. and say to all these professional actors who've been trying to get gigs all their lives, "No, no, no, excuse me." Excuse me. If you can find, I get to do this line. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was John's whole pitch. He was going to come in as the new older brother. <laughs> there was there was um, there was an actor who will remain nameless. Who was a very prominent British actor, actress or female actor, and her father used to um, get into her early movies. And uh, would be playing the guy who got shot or the guy who got, you know, you know, and it became a thing. It became difficult and uh, and it became really difficult for them as a relationship. You know, she had to say to her dad, listen, dad, you're not in this next film. (laughs) It was a problem. It was a problem. And and I I would never want to compromise Tom. So, for example, that book made in England that was published over the weekend. Mm -hmm. I never asked Tom to share that on his social media because, you know what? If he wants to share it, he can share it. Sure. Yeah. I don't need to ask him and don't want to ask him because if I do ask him, then it's compromising, right? Yes. Yeah. And so it, things would just evolve for me. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's the better way to do it. Right. You know, yeah. um, if I was asking Tom to just tweet about all my stuff and, hey, Tom, I've got this, I've got that. <laughs> yeah. He's just going to say, Dad, you know what, mate? It's not, you know, this isn't this isn't the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bad for and the brain. I think I've got a healthy. good instinct for what's right and wrong. Right. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know what that makes me think? Do you think Martin Scorsese's mom was the one that made him put her in those movies? <laughs> in Goodfellas and stuff? Now I want to ask. Yeah. 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 Martin Scorsese. Yeah. I mean, look. The ultimate guilt trip. Mm. Yeah, because mm. she's an Italian mom. I'm Italian. They don't do it by, like, demanding. They do it by, like, 
it's okay. I'm going to die soon. It, <laughs> I don't know if I was going to be in a movie ever. Yeah, <laughs> Scorsese's uh, just like, all right. You never call. <laughs> Go ahead. You're Tommy's <laughs> mom and Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, my God, I got to shut her up. He doesn't even actually put it in the film. That'd be great, though, if you actually were that guy and forced your way into, like, like Robert Downey had to leave, and then you were the one going, <laughs> I am Iron Man, doing the snap, and everyone's like, what the hell? I would <laughs> just be like, listen. What's happened to Robert? Robert's looking less, <laughs> less Iron-like, you know. I mean, Tom's a lucky kid as well because he looks like he does, okay? Yeah. I, have this, I have this, which is unusual. <laughs> Okay, I have a face that's good for because people remember it, but they, mm -hmm. don't, they don't remember it necessarily in a good way. The, the funny looking guy now, his mum's, you know, he looks like his mum. Mm -hmm. Again, that's a big advantage for Tom, right? Because had he looked <laughs> like me, had he had the scrunch face, they he would not be that he would not be in a Marvel film. The scrunch face, <laughs> you know, like, my face looks like it's been squashed, and I get that. Okay, I've got a squashed <laughs> face, right? So it's it's a great piece of gene selection. Where the where whoever it was, the big guy said, "Okay, we're gonna have more of this lady's genes to look like this." <laughs> mm. Yeah. What? Where did his athletic ability come from? Is that you or your wife? Well, um, he was well, both thin, tastic. Mm -hmm. We're both lithe. And mm -hmm. when he was when he was a little boy, John, he was dancing locally. Uh, again, this is a you know extraordinary. Um, the way he got discovered was literally um, at, a, at a sort of Saturday afternoon disco dancing class. Mm -hmm. He would have been about eight years of age. Wow. I always joked to him. There were three boys in the class and he was by some distance, the third best male dancer in the class. Um, <laughs> he wasn't great. He was just a kid who liked dancing, mm -hmm. but that was the, that was the start of the Billy Elliot journey. Wow. And in that, in that playing Billy in the West end, he really needed to get some physical chops going on. So he, mm -hmm. he, he started to do tap dancing and ballet dancing and a lot of gymnastics. And right. he, he's, 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 he's a little taller than me, but he's not a tall man. So that lent itself to the flipping and the stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's very strong. He's very lithe and, and, and lean. So that was a big advantage for Kevin Feige on Marvel, right? Because yeah. Tom did a lot of that stuff. So um, when the stunt doubles come in, it's just a lot of time consuming, you know, editing and brushing and drawing. And after that, with Tom in the suit, even when he had the, the hat on, the, the, the helmet on, that was a massive coup for, for Marvel. So he was just the perfect kid for them. You know, I mean, yeah. I just watched the Elvis movie. My God, oh. have you seen the Elvis movie? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. So the kid who plays Elvis is, is just unbelievably good. And yeah. I heard he's great. Unbelievably like Elvis was as good looking right. as he was. He was just remarkable. And when, when he walked in that room, they must have gone, okay, the auditions are finished. This guy's, this is Elvis, right? Elvis lives. Elvis mm -hmm. is Elvis has just walked in the building. Right. You know? And I yeah, think it, that with Tom. Yeah. It is like, I've, I think I saw something from no way home and, and like his actual stunts where he's like flipping in between, like he's got the box spring or whatever the hell it is set up. Yeah. And I was just like, they made bank on one, like the fact that he wants to do all that stuff and can do all that yeah. stuff. It's, it's like, God, they lucked out. Well, I know when they did civil war, what was really interesting is he had to do a screen test with, I think it was, I think it was actually with Chris okay. Captain America. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the, the movie, the, the, the side said, Spider-Man flips into view mm -hmm. and then does the line. And so the Russo brothers were sitting there and Tom said, okay, so you want me to flip in? And Joe said, no, 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 no. You, no we would do that up in another way. You just do the line. Tom said, well, I can flip in. <laughs> but Joe said, oh, okay, this kid's going to flip in. And then he did it. And Joe went, 
oh bloody hell <laughs> right <laughs> oh my god look at that kid so that was a you know a, yeah. a huge calling card they weren't going to forget him he, he, he would have been the only actor that flipped in and then did the line um yeah. wow you know but he did the line with the plum as well right it wasn't just a it wasn't just that he could do the flips and do, couldn't do the lines he could do them both so right yeah you know, I said we, to Nikki when we watched the Elvis movie the other night, I said, that's how they must have reacted when Tom did his auditions. They must have thought, Christ, this is Peter Parker, right? Yeah, absolutely. He, he was definitely Austin Butler, his name, brilliant actor, a super good looking guy, mm. as good looking as Elvis was and was brilliant in the movie. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. He looks am- the The trailers look like he's just nailed it. And so that's pretty great. Yeah, it's a great. Well, you know what I'd say about it? it's a bit miserableist. OK, because Elvis's life was miserable. So yeah. they, they show it quite well. Mm-hmm. But it's a miserable life. Do they go through they, they go through the bad phase, like the heavy, you know? You know, they sanitized it a little bit. They 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 the most arresting part of the movie is the last scene where they show the real Elvis in the real Vegas Ooh, as the heavy wow. man who could barely walk wow. singing for the last time. And it's very sad because we all knew what was what was coming. 42 yeah, and he died. But they they sanitized it in the movie. They they got into his pills and his drugs, but they didn't get into his eating. Okay. Um, so they they kind of left that they left that out, but his his life was 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 miserable, right? Yeah, you know, and it was a great shame because what a you know you have to remember he kind of invented rock and roll, right? Yeah. When he started doing that, no one had done it before, and in comedy, you always try and do something different, right? You always want right. to be the guy who's different. Robin Williams was different. Yeah. His album was different, you know. Um, but he he was different in music, something as broad as music. Okay, mm-hmm. so he was absolute talisman. What he yeah. did. So, but I, I, I found it very a real hard, sad watch, sad yeah. biopic because his life was sad. And no, it, 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 there's a couple of those where you just know it's going to be like. I, did you like the Queen movie? Uh, well, again, but that was very sanitized. Okay? Yeah, because they mm-hmm. didn't go through his tawdry life. They they right. sort of they, they left that out. You know, mm-hmm. um, which I think I get makes it more commercial. Sure, but yeah. I like I like the the first act better than the last two acts because yeah. when they got discovered right because they're all clever kids at Imperial College in London which is one of the most elite universities in the country mm-hmm. they're yeah. very elite boys and I like the fact how they came together and Freddie yeah. was a strange guy this sort of you know out there guy and that was more interesting to me than the end because we know yeah. we knew the ending you know yeah, yeah. absolutely and plus they did kind of like I mean the ending didn't exactly have like I think the timeline of like the AIDS thing and when yeah. we had it like they kind of whatever but it still got me like because it's one of those things where like you know what happens at the end you know the whole story but like the end came around and i was just kind of like in the theater like you know single tier you know i was like oh god damn it but it still gets you man it still gets it's you. What, 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 it's so funny though, john when you just said to me did you see the queen did you like the queen movie for a, <laughs> for a split back i was thinking i was thinking to myself i think helen mirren played the queen <laughs> <laughs> and i was thinking to myself, I, I definitely didn't see the queen elizabeth movie and I, I don't know how I'm going to answer this. And then I, I mean, them out. Oh, shit, you mean Queen the band? Fuck I know. <laughs> I couldn't. Re- I, I don't remember what it was called, but I was like, oh, do you see the, you know, yeah. Bohemian it's sad. Rhapsody, right? Bohemian Rhapsody, it was called. Yes, Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody, Rhapsody, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah, okay, yeah. So I was panicking then, thinking, geez, man, why would you go to the Queen from, from, from Elvis? Imagine if that's the trajectory of my That was like, like oh, no Elvis. politics. Get rid of this. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, Elvis, the king. Oh, he's from England. <laughs> okay. What do you think of the queen? Now, that would make sense. Had you done it that way, had you, yeah. had you, had you prefaced it with king, I would have got it. Right. But, um, yeah, no, I, I did enjoy the movie, but it's long. Uh, I don't see any that any film needs to be three hours, right? No. Yeah. Um, 
Except I more do. longer Marvel movies. I will say that. I want wow. to sit in the theater. <laughs> I need to know, were you a Mar- were you and Tom Marvel fans or your whole family? Anyone a Marvel fan previous to all of this? I've even said this to Kevin Feige. There's a couple of things that you'll enjoy. One of my favorite things being Tom's dad mm. is we were in London at a, I can't remember the movie, um, but I'm in a bar, really posh bar in town, mm. and the movie's played. And, and Mr. Feige's there and all the other actors are there. What I love to do is walk up to people and say, hello, Mr. Feige. And he, he, you see his face. His face is like, ah, oh, <laughs> who's this guy? Yeah. Okay, this is a really annoying. I'm, I'm annoyed I'm having to speak to who's this little guy. I say, I'm Tom's dad. And then I love seeing the transition from, oh, it's just, oh, come on. You know, I've had cuddles before. I've had hugs before. <laughs> which I really enjoy. But I've said this to Kevin. I'm not a, Mar- I'm not a Marvel fan at all. I'm mm-hmm. much more rooted in reality. So Vinny, okay, as good yeah. as it gets. Um, I love that movie. Um, uh, you know, when you can, when you've got, you know, superheroes moving planets around you i zone out mm-hmm, okay? okay but i do i love tom's trilogy okay yeah. i love the fact that they got better and better okay yeah. i think it's the right trajectory i think the the last one was was tremendous mm-hmm. um, but no the, the, you know the doctor strange movies and um you know i'm i'm not i'm not down for the next thor film you know i might <laughs> see it on tv but i'm not at the theater to watch that you know i watched the right. top gun movie because it seemed to be the thing everyone was doing that was really yeah. good yeah, it was really good. Yeah, yeah. a really piece of good, entertaining cinema. Yeah. Um, but I have not seen Tom in a Marvel film that I haven't really thoroughly enjoyed. Nice. I really love nice. Civil War. Yeah. But again, because I felt it felt it felt more to me in reality. Okay? Yeah. There was more of the superheroes in Civvy Street. Yep. Yeah. As soon as you stick them into space, I'm gone. I'm not, right. I'm not there. I've, you've lost me. I, yeah. I like, so I, I know we do, I know exactly what you mean. And there's like, a, I have like a, a, like I like a combination of because I think James Gunn in Guardians of the Galaxy, yes, there's there's a lot of the same Vinny element to it where you're like, oh, you know, if you if you make these characters really real yeah. and their emotions real, and the story is good, you don't you don't kind of because like my parents weren't really like like they don't like a lot of space stuff, but they liked the element of '70s music and the connection to the cassette yeah. tape and his mother and yes, and, yeah. and the, the way Chris Pratt and 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 Dave were trying to. You know, who, or no, it was, it was, it was, um, it was, um, Chris Hemsworth. Oh, Hemsworth, the way, yeah. The, the way they were riffing about who was the more senior was yeah. so beautifully done mm-hmm. and really, yeah. really comic. And, and, and because that's rooted in reality of hierarchies, yeah. I, I, that, that's what I respond to in the Marvel films. Yes. Yeah. Um, I know what you and mean. So, and I, you know what? They're very brave as well, you know, because comedy is a tough gig in film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. they pull it off with a plum they do it really well yeah I think chris hemsworth as thor was really funny when he was fat oh thor. Oh, so yeah, good. He, he was really funny and uh, chris is a, obviously a super good looking guy mm-hmm. but he was really he was really funny in that movie yeah. you know yeah. um and you know normally good looking people aren't funny which is yeah. you know <laughs> and, and when they're i was gonna say and when they're both isn't it kind of annoying where you're like oh, come on dude like are you kidding yeah. me like you know yeah no. some respect what was, what was the film he was in he was he was in a movie as well where he was playing a i can't even remember the film but he was there was a scene of, uh, where he was in the buff um it was a it was a romantic comedy and he was only a small part but it was really mm-hmm. he was really funny in it and he, he had a scene where he was naked in this woman's rep room and she didn't know he was there and, and then this god appeared and yeah. he took, he took the piss out of himself 
he's got real good comic chops with chris hemsworth he does yeah, yeah. he's really really funny and he, did you see the movie spiderhead on netflix that came out with him in it i haven't done no it's kind of like a thriller and it's uh -huh. like a like a whatever but um but he's in it and he's super like it's it's he plays he has an american accent in it um you know and he's supposed to be this guy who's working with pharmaceuticals and stuff but man he plays it so well all the comic elements are there but it's just enough creepiness too where you're like there's something up with this guy and i you just forget he's thought like you know what i mean like you're just like oh my god i cannot believe this is the same guy who was in a fat suit for an entire movie you know what i mean like thought, and he was really kind when tom was trying to get cast they were making a movie called in the heart of the sea with oh, Ron yeah. and uh Tom was in awe of Chris because he's, you know, eight foot five and, you know, 300 pounds, <laughs> you know. Uh, and he was really kind to Tom, mm -hmm. really kind to Tom. And and I'm really, I'm very heartened by that, you know. Yeah. He's yeah. a kid on the up and people have been really generous to Tom and kind. And Chris was That's one so of those. Yeah, nice. nice. Um, do we have any, uh, we have a couple questions, I think, from the audience. And I'm going to hit you with the big three and let you get out of here. Sure, hey, Jack, sure. Jackie actually just wanted to know, who is your biggest stand-up influencer inspiration? Well, um, when I, when I, okay, so the Woody Allen Moose stuff, okay, because mm -hmm. again, you go down to the economy of what he did and what he yeah. said, again, so few words. Um, and that for me is, is, is the essence of brilliant comedy. Yeah. Okay? He didn't need to shout, didn't need to browbeat anybody, was just a surrealist with, with, with fabulous um, comic timing and comic mm -hmm. bones. Um, yeah. When I started doing stand up, there was a guy called Ben Elton, who's a famous United Kingdom comedian, hmm. Jewish guy, very funny, came to my university and blew the place apart. Did two hours of stand up. We we're all sitting on the ground, thousand people. This guy walked on stage, smashed the place. And that, that's wow. when I really thought, that's what I want to do. Wow. Uh, and ben and I got to work together. I know Ben, you know, I've done gigs with him now. The fact that I work with him now is kind of surreal when you mm -hmm. start doing stand up and you watch someone who is on stage, you don't get a medium afterwards. And then he becomes a colleague of yours. That's, you know, a kind of joy. Yeah. Um, in terms of writing, I, I, I go to Dale Lorna because he did Ruthless People with Bette Midler yeah. and Finney. And uh, they, for me, are, are, are just perfect comic films. Wow. And they're, yeah. they're rare. I think they're really rare. I, um, I, you know, The Other Guys was the last really funny film, good funny film I saw um, with, um, with um, Mark Wahlberg Mark and Wahlberg. Will Ferrell. Oh, Will yeah, Ferrell. yeah. That I was a great Ferrell. Will Ferrell's just funny through and through, right? Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. So they they would be the guys who who really influenced me, um, and Eddie Murphy. You know, I mean, I remember watching Delirious in that red suit and twelve thousand people. He was twenty two years of age. Yep. And yeah, and I just thought, oh my god, I was not, I was eighteen at the time, and I thought, how does anyone at twenty two get to do that in front of twelve thousand people? Yeah. And have yeah. that aplomb and do those voices and do Michael Jackson so well and then Stevie Wonder so well and and do the, the you know just everything he did I thought was just just fabulous you yeah know? my yeah. my first comedy like uh, well I loved um, Richard Jenny I used yeah. to, I think that was the first stand up I ever saw and I thought he was hilarious and then but I had Eddie Murphy's Delirious yeah and Robin Williams Live at the Met. Yeah. And I think between the two, when I was a kid, I just couldn't, my brain couldn't handle how funny. Yeah. Like it was so good. And Richard Pryor, you'd add, you'd add yeah. Richard Pryor to that. I mean, Richard Pryor, you know, and then Eddie Izzard, you know, yes. Eddie on the, Eddie on the club circuit mm -hmm. was, was a different, different thing. You know, yep. he, 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 he was just on a different trajectory and everybody knew 
he was destined for this stadiums, you know, because wow. I didn't realize he worked the clubs that much. I thought oh, he, yeah. went... he was working the clubs for years and, wow. uh, and people would, you know, clubs were, f- were full when he was there. That's how everyone knew wow. when Eddie was on the bill, it was like m- massively oversubscribed. Wow. And that's how, Oh, hang on this guy. The, 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 you know, these rooms can't contain this guy. Right. And he's going to end yeah. up on the West end. And then from the West end, he went to, you know, and now he plays arenas all over the world. Yeah. And, uh, and I really admired his, his, his bravery. He was mm-hmm. such a brave guy. And we toured together for a, for a 55 date tour in Britain and, and to watch him work every night close and, right. and travel with him to the next gig was an honor. You know, and yeah. it's, you know, it's interesting. I saw Eddie last time I saw him was, it was in London and we were chatting about his career and what he was doing. And he said to me, we said, well, I'm not on Tom's level. And it was so <laughs> odd to hear him say that to me. Right. In my in my growing up, he was my absolute hero. Right. So when when he when I was working with him, Tom wasn't even born. Wow. Okay. And so for him to say to me, "I'm not on Tom's level," was the most surreal thing. I thought, "Oh my God, how did you, how did you say that to me? You know, you already is on. You know. Yeah, yeah. Tom's my son. Get over yourself. You know. Right. <laughs> you know? Does d- d- was that like? I mean, when you were well out with Eddie, was that the first time you were with like a um? I guess like a national touring headliner. Do you remember when you yeah. first got picked? Oh, wow. It was. And you know, what well, the interesting thing, this is sort of the natural diffidence that, I ha- that I'm not saddled with, but have to get along with is that because I was doing 20 minutes and he was doing an hour and a half. Yeah. I was doing my best 20. Right. So mm-hmm. I was going out there with a, with a captive audience full mm-hmm. and killing. Okay. Just smashing the room apart. Right. And people would come up to me regularly at gigs and say to me, you are better than him. Wow, and 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 in my head was I'd always edit that to, no 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 no, no you, you don't understand. I was just doing twenty minutes, and so and I think that was a natural edit that I had, a natural ceiling mm-hmm. to my own career because I just didn't believe I could ever do what Eddie could do. Right, and even though it was said to me regularly, I never ever believed that, and I think that was not a, not a, wasn't a fault because it was myself, it was my makeup, mm-hmm. but that yeah. was. That, that, that I didn't, I didn't take that and run with it. I just thought, no, no, no you're you're talking out your backside because he's doing an hour and a half. Right, right. Um, but uh, he had a massive influence on me, and I admire him enormously. Wow. But yeah, do you think he's that's almost what's st- like the only. I think the only thing that held you where you were is that your own mind would trap you down to this. Nope, it's just because it was my good twenty, as opposed yeah. to being like, right. yeah, I. I I think you could been same level. I think it's all like what you perceive, right? Like it you probably is Tom, you know, but, but you know, you can't, you know, lot, you know, you know, you can't really change that. Can you, I don't think you can force yeah. that. You are who you are. And, no, and, I totally agree. And my mm-hmm. makeup is my makeup and right. I've done the best I can yeah. with my makeup. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think we learned today, like that whole, like that super confident and not having that in you is almost like a recessive gene. Right, that went yeah. through the two of you. So, like, it's like having blue eyes, where you're like, "Bang, you made a kid who <laughs> didn't have that." Yeah, that's yeah. a good way of putting it. A recessive gene. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And and listen, bless that recessive gene, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I like that. I'm going to use that again, Tom. I'm going to take that. With you. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Now we're going to have to keep a lookout for his next interviews. We're like, did he say it? <laughs> you know what I appreciate about comedians is because anybody else would just take it and use it. But comedians are like, I'm just noting here. This is now yeah. mine. Yeah, this I'm is my yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you the big three questions that we ask every guest uh, cool. on the show. Go ahead. Uh, first one is if you can go back in time and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself that would help you today? 
Um, well, I'm going to be a little bit flat here and just be a little bit truthful and 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 back yourself more, okay? Because because mm. I kept waiting for things. No, I'm not ready for that yet. I'll wait for that. Right. I'm not ready to do that. I'll do that later. Mm. And I think show business, particularly the arts, is all about being young. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's all about being discovered and discoverable. Mm. And as soon as you've been around the block a few times, you're of no interest to them at all. Yes. So you yep. either get famous. Or you get out. Yep. And Agreed. that's it. That's it. So I would say when you are given an opportunity, you need to squeeze through that opportunity. However it comes out, you're better off having gone through that gap. That's you might get a bloody nose. You might scrape your knees, but you've got to get through that gap. You can't be saying, no, no, no. no now, now's not the time for me. Thank you. So that yeah. would be my advice. Yeah. That's great advice. That. That's yeah. really, you know what? There's a gambling saying that I live by too. And it's mm -hmm. like a guy that never took a shot, never had a shot. So if you don't mm -hmm. give, if you don't do it, you don't, you don't know what yeah. could have, right? That's it. Yeah, that's that. That's that. That's what I would say. Um, yeah. But you, you know, you, look, you, you can't do things that are going to terrorize you and make you ill. Yeah. Right. You know, stand up comedy. I mean, I can do it. You can put me. You know, I'd love to come to New York. If you fill the club, I'd love to come and do it. You know, but yeah. you, you have to have a lot of energy to do that. But um, I was a little reticent, too reticent, I think, back in the day when I had opportunities. Yeah. yeah, I understand that. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like it took me a longer time to headline than I think a lot. I saw a lot of other people like coming out with albums before they were ready. And I was like, no. Yeah. And then like it it took I think it took maybe needing money for me to be like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to headline. But like once I started doing it, I was like, why wasn't I doing this earlier? And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I should have been. I don't know if I wasn't ready. You know, like you said, like you, you it's your makeup. So maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, you know. can't change that, right? You can't change your DNA. You can't change where you come from. You know, right. you can read all the self-help books in the world, but they don't work. <laughs> you know? the Absolutely. All yep. the you never finish them, right? You start off with real gusto and you put them down a third in. Fuck it. Next one. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, second question is, what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? Okay. What had to, what, okay, let me just clarify. What had to end yep. for me to yep. get where I am now? Yep. Good or yep. bad. Okay. Um, oh, do you know what? Uh, what had to end in my life for me to get where I am now? Um, dignity. <laughs> <laughs> because I had to deal with, you do what for a living? Right. I make yeah. people laugh for a living. Um, mm. So I had to, I, I had to, I think being a comedian is so left field. Mm. You, you give up anonymity. Because your work is so public, yeah, yeah. Okay, your your and your metrics are so obvious, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that book there I've written, we'll know in six months' time how successful it's been or if it's bombed. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. you've had, I've had to give up the um, the security of anonymity. Mm. Yeah, wow, that's great, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, and the and the last question is a goofy question. It ties into the show. So <laughs> if this was a genuine dystopia. More so mm -hmm. than it kind of is now what we've been experiencing. So, but if it were like aliens or zombies or a comet heading toward Earth, um, or you know, climate change finally hits and everything's flooding, uh, let's say it's your last day, everybody's last day on Earth. Uh -huh. uh, how would you want to go out? What would be your epic death? Shooting pa. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Finally, getting my shit together and having a string of good shots in the same round and playing well because <laughs> my great right, shots are interspersed with abject golf and it plagues me and torments me it's the game i love and it's the game i hate mm. 
and I've been playing it for 25 years and I'm still pretty abject and I would like I'd like all of my great shots to line up oh. I read a novel once called Open Links it's one of my favorite books I've written and um it's for anyone trying to find it you can get it through the Brothers Trust website and all the money goes to blood cancer so it's a great book and it's a great oh. cause all, yeah. all the money goes to blood cancer and it's a beautiful story of a of a professional golfer whose great shots all line up in one round and it's the most important round of his life it's a real fairy tale and it should be a movie. So let's put that out there. <laughs> All right. Absolutely, man. Go. Yeah, we'll plug the hell out of it. Before we go, I want to ask, too, if yes. we were to recommend to our viewers what books they should read in what order, do you have, like, Made in England should come first? Or do you think, like, are there any that stand out to really get them get the hook into them from you? Okay. So, Tom, uh, sorry. You, John, you read Only in America, right? Yes. Okay. Only in America is my first novel and Made in England is my is my latest. And that's a sequel to Only in America. So the characters are reprised. Mm -hmm. So my advice, if anyone is, is has the time and the inclination, is to read Only in America first. Okay. okay which you can get on Kindle for um, for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, which is um, hurts a tad. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then and then Made in England would, would then would then be a good follow on. But um, um all of my books kind of Tom are standalone novels. They're all okay. just, they're all, you know, isolated concluded stories. You know, they're not, I wrote made in England and made it, made it a sequel because the Holy grail in, in independent publishing is to have, is to have a series of books. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And I've never done that. I've always written standalone books, different characters, different stories, arcs. And, um, so I had this idea. I was in lockdown. I had no gigs in my diary. And I thought, well, I'm not very good at twiddling my thumbs. I better get busy doing something. So I thought I'd write a book for my Patreon. I did that on Patreon. So I published it on my on my Patreon to start with. And gotcha. then I sort of edited it, edited it, edited it, and got it to a shape where I thought, actually, this is this is good to go now. Wow. Um, and I thought it made sense for me to reprise the two characters from my most successful book, which is Only in America, which sold a lot of copies. And that was the book I sold to Hollywood a couple of times. Wow. Oh, wow. Great. Yeah, great book um and i can't so this is already made in england came out this weekend yes it came okay, out this weekend, and it's uh you know you can find it on my on my books website or amazon or it's just a, you know it's available everywhere but it's um yeah. it's um you, you've got to go to you go, you go to barnes and noble you can order it and stuff um so yeah it's a quirky story it's a quirky story do you have a thing in, in new york where someone some doofus will leave a really valuable violin on the train every <laughs> Every couple of years, you get this story with some yes. you know, Stradivarius on the subway. Okay, that's yes. always pissed me off. I've always thought, hang on, hang on. I need to know more. I need to know who has this Stradivarius. What the hell are they doing on a train? Right. And how tired can they be to leave a Stradivarius on a bloody train? So that's the, that's the kernel of the story. And it's my, mm -hmm. it's my explaining how that event happened and how it impacts on my characters. Love it. I love it. I definitely want to check out uh, Eclipse, too. I feel yeah. like I, that that showed out to me in the beginning when I was when I was uh, doing my research, and now I feel like I'm definitely. Gonna you know, what, Tom, we just did the audio book, Tom and I, and and what it is is read by me and in conversation with Tom. So at the end of every other chapter, um, at the end of every, every other chapter, Tom and I catch up. So we we do an anecdote like the New York thing where I got thrown out of the meeting, and then Tom and I catch up and we we reminisce on that meeting. So it's oh, a nice okay. little audio book with Tom's input as well, which I think makes it pretty pretty glorious for the for the people who are interested in in his career and and and, and fatherhood yeah so, and we published that last month and that's on flick rocket so you can get that there so yeah no it's a good story eclipse is very heartfelt it was written from the heart and it was a really nice book to write i felt awesome. like a bit 
felt like a bit of a priv privilege being able to write that, to be honest. Dude, I want to thank you so much for coming on with us. I really do appreciate well, it. Well, guys. It's been fun. I've really enjoyed it. I'm a big fan of American comedy, and you seem to have everything down. John, you've been a very good host. Pleasure. really enjoyed it, man. And I hope you. it was a big success for you guys. Nice to see Thanks, you back. Pleasure. Thanks so much, man. You when we're on the other side of the pond, or if you come to New York, give us a yeah, call. Yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> Take care, <laughs> man. Pleasure. Peace. Have a night. Take it easy, guys. Best wishes. Bye. Dystopia tonight.